It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. There's no question that diversity in a company leads to success. So why is it still so hard for women, minorities, LGBT people to get leadership positions? If you look, for example, at female CEOs, women CEOs, there's only eight in the FTSE 100 and only 16% of finance directors are women. And those are the big roles in organisations. They're the ones that are leading the organisations. This is an invitation to meet Fiona Cannon, Director of Sustainable Business at Lloyd's. We want to play our part in building a sustainable and inclusive society. So basically my job is to look at how do we make sure that that purpose is embedded across every part of our business, but also to look at what are the big social issues facing the UK at the moment and what can we do to help solve those. I'm David Marlson from The Evening Standard. We're going to be talking about diversity, mental health support and agile working with Fiona. And all of these are topics that will come up at the water cooler event being held in association with The Evening Standard on the 25th and 26th of May. It's going to be a big day out at the Olympia London with over 100 experts talking about workplace well-being. And it's free. Head to watercoolerevent.com to get your tickets. Now, we're meeting Fiona over Zoom, and the first thing I want to talk to her about is, is the push for diversity actually happening, or are people just talking about it? I certainly think that progress is being made. Uh, There's no question about that. I started my career a long time ago uh, looking at gender equality, and if I think about where we are now compared to where we were Uh, say 30 years ago, there's no question that we've made um, progress. And if you look at gender specifically, for example, even in the over the last decade, uh, if you think about the numbers of women on boards, for example, 10 years ago, it was about 12%. It's 39% today. Um, And so you can see that there has been real change at board level. There's also been um, progress in terms of women in leadership positions. But I guess what I would say is that progress is is slower than than we might have liked. If you look across other diverse groups, so in terms of Black, Asian and minority ethnic um, colleagues, again, 
progress, but really slow, particularly in terms of black heritage community, in terms of um, leadership positions. And so I think there's still a lot more to be done there. Mental health, of course, um, and how we approach mental health has dramatically changed over the last uh, few years and and much more understanding and awareness um, of mental health and the fact that we all have mental health and we're all on some kind of spectrum from surviving to thriving at any one point and so I think there's been a lot of work a lot of progress made there but I I would say on in terms of physical disability there's still an awful lot of stigma around that and um, we have very few role models of um, people with physical disabilities in senior leadership positions and organisations. So, so I think the picture is mixed and for LGBT plus um, community as well, again, progress, lots of progress with that community in terms of awareness um, too. But still, you will see that there are still barriers to all of those uh, groups of people um, in terms of getting into leadership positions. And so I think lots of progress made, much more to be done. Yeah, I wonder though, is that quite frustrating for you? Because you've spent a great big part of your career fighting in these areas. Why is business still this stronghold of straight white men? So I think one of the big issues is, you know, this is, I think we spent quite a lot of time, um, what I would call trying to fix the women or trying to fix our black, Asian and minority ethnic uh, colleagues um, rather than trying to fix the system. So the fundamental thing that's that's a problem is that actually we're not set up as organisations to, to have diversity. If you think about the way we're all set up, we're basically factories that were kind of, you know, set up really on the basis of one person being in the office, one person being at home, and that person in the office typically was a man, for example, and the person at home was typically a woman. Um, and that's how all of our structures are made up, nine to five, you know, five days a week commuting to the centre of town. And of course, now the pandemic has really thrown all of that up in the air. But but that's how we're all organised. And so what that means is that that what happens is that, that, it, that you're always trying to push diversity into a system that doesn't actually work. The fact is, it doesn't work for a lot of men either, because that's really changed too. More men want, for example, to be involved in in taking care of their family in the same way as women and doing other things. We have a system now, the way we're organised, that actually doesn't work for anybody. And we've kind of accepted it from a customer perspective. If you think about the fact that, you know, we, we understand that you know, you know, nine till three, as we used to work in the banking industry, um, in terms of opening hours, doesn't work anymore because customers want to be able to access their money when they want to be able to access their money. Um, and so we understand that things have changed from that perspective, but we haven't made that change necessarily into the way that we organise ourselves um, in terms of, of our people and how we actually organise the, the workplace as well. And so I think that system change it is that's the biggest issue and so you know we've done we've lit i mean honestly there is there is literally no um program that i haven't run or organized over the years um and the thing that is the problem is how we're set up now the pandemic has been brilliant hideous though that's been it's been brilliant in changing that mindset so that idea that we can't work differently has been thrown I mean, no one could argue that we can't work in a different way. What I think we just need to be vigilant about is that we don't go too quickly back into the norm 
as it was you know there's this whole hybrid working um idea with some people you know working some days in the office some days at home which is great but we just need to make sure that we don't over time creep back to it's all office based again because i think we would really lose some of the brilliant things that we picked up through the pandemic is working from home then a new opportunity to address some of these issues that have stopped people from progressing in business you know if you think about uh, you, you spoke about sort of those traditional areas that the, the, the women looked after the children, men went out to work. That doesn't have to happen anymore, does it? No, exactly. And I think so. I think it's. Um, I don't think it's just about working at home. I think it's about. You know, if you think about agile working, it's really about where you work, which is home or or the office. When you work, how you do it, and who's doing it. And, and by that, I mean you need to kind of look across all of those elements. So. For some people, it's not so much that they want to work at home, it's that they want to be able to kind of flex their hours so that, that maybe they could drop their kids off at school in the morning um, and then go into the office, for example, or, or leave the office a bit earlier and then go online later on. So I think I think we need to be careful that we don't make it a kind of it's either working at home or working in the office because it's it's more than that. And and the, the big issue, I think, really around agile working is really around job redesign because I think what we've done is we've we've designed jobs to be on a full-time basis for one person and actually if you look at some of the very you know senior levels of organizations now those jobs are all so big you know they're very challenging for any one individual to do and actually I think we need to think about how do we design roles so for example one of the big things that I think would make a, a, a very big difference um, organisation is job sharing, because that would allow people to be in senior positions, but also to be able to have some flexibility around what they want to do with their time. And of course, that time might not be spent looking after children. It could be doing all sorts of different things. It could be about having a different life outside of the office. And so I think really we need to just be careful that, as I say, that we don't go it's either working at home or it's it's working in the office because I think that's where we will run into to problems. It is about you know it is much more than that. I mean, you've literally written the book on agility. Let's give you a plug: the agility mindset that you wrote. But is it difficult to go into businesses? I guess particularly maybe larger businesses which have had firm structures and effectively say to them, you need to deconstruct all the things that made you successful. So I think my starting point would be that for companies to continue to be successful, they need to change the way they're operating. So, you know, the world has changed. It had changed before the pandemic. It's changed even more since the pandemic. But if you look at some of the things that we were just talking about, then customer customer needs have changed. I mean, who of us doesn't, you know, isn't kind of kind of up in arms if our delivery isn't doesn't arrive within, you know, within a day, if not within an hour of having ordered it. We, you know, the customer demands uh, requirements and organisations to be much more agile in the way that they operate. And of course, again, more globalisation. Um, again, the pandemic's had an impact on that, but globalisation um, has meant that, you know, we need to be operating in different, in different ways that goes outside of the norm of nine to five. Huge change in demographics. Uh, so we've now got five generations um, in the workforce all of whom have got different needs um, 
that that we need to be able to meet as organisations, be that from, you know, young colleagues who want to work in a different way to, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, people who perhaps don't want to retire, but maybe don't want to work the way that they've worked before at that kind of level and so kind of want to do what you might call a stage retirement where you're doing a bit more fewer hours and uh, and, but still being able to be involved and so when you're looking at all of those things um, I I think the reality is that for any organization to be to remain competitive they need to be agile and 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 we know that organizations are able to respond to that there is a real sweet spot though to be had because at the same time as organizations need to uh, want agility employees want agility as well so there's a real sweet spot in the middle that we can get to if we're smart one of the reasons why i think flexible working as it was traditionally called hasn't been as successful as we would have hoped now because i was part of something called the women um, work and pension uh, work and parents task force but way back looking at introducing the flexible working legislation and we had huge hopes for that but I think one of the reasons why it hasn't worked so successfully is because we haven't made the changes to the system as I was talking about before and so what ends up happening is that flexible working seems ends up being seen as an employee benefit not as a benefit to the business it's about an individual rather than about the organization and so you're always just trying to you know kind of uh, you know fit someone with a different working pattern into an organisation that doesn't work like that. So there's always going to be a tension there. And so I think for those organ and there are lots of organisations out there who are working in a very agile way, being very successful um, doing so. But I think it is a competitive business advantage now uh, for organisations to be agile. And the beauty of it is that employers want it as well. We've just got to find that, that sweet spot. Let's take a break. While the ads are on, go over to watercoolerevent.com and get those free tickets. And why not give us a rate and review on your podcast provider too? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. 
I mean, in your own career, you have a very high up position in one of the, the, the biggest banks in the country. But have you had to fight to work the way that you think works best yourself? Actually, I, I have to say that my own experience of, of working in an agile way, uh, you know, within Lloyd's has been, um, they've been brilliant. Now, on one level, you might say that my job is the kind of job that, you know, if, if I can't do it, then 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 you might have a we might have a, an issue. But but the reality is that, um, you know, so, for example, I've got two children and I did two days a week um, for a very long time when they were first born and then went to kind of reduced hours and um, obviously have been back full time for quite some time now because they're, they're grown up. But that flexibility, uh, it was dependent also on the fact that I had a brilliant team. And I think this is one of the things sometimes that we forget that um, actually, you know, it's a real development opportunity for others if you're if you organise yourself in the right way. So, um, you know, the, the people that worked uh, with me when I was doing my flex, uh, flexible working, and have gone on then to to kind of do much more senior roles um, themselves. And part of that was because they were able to kind of have experience earlier, perhaps in their career, because they were kind of supporting um, and because I wasn't around um, that, that they might not have otherwise had. And so I think actually, if you organise those, organise yourself effectively, that it can be a real development opportunity for your uh, for your colleagues as well. And that that's certainly the way that um, it worked for me. But but it, I think having worked flexibly, it's given me an insight into um, both on both sides, both um, working as an individual working flexibly, but also then on the other side of it, um, as I'm running my own team, um, what does that mean for for how you kind of organise yourselves as well? But but Lloyd's, no, there's been no issue for me from from Lloyd's perspective around working flexibly. And inside Lloyd's, what are you particularly proud of that you've managed to achieve within Lloyd's itself? Oh well there are there are a lot of there are a lot of things that that I'm proud of that we've done um, together. Obviously, you know, if you just look at where we've got to in terms of gender, um, when we started out, you know, if I go back um, 10 years from us, we started at uh, 27% and we're now at 38% of women in senior positions. Our board is the most diverse board that we've ever had with 40% women on our board. And just the things, uh, you know, for me, of course, I've been in the organisation for a long time. So even things like we were the first organisation, for example, to introduce agile working for everybody and you didn't have to give a reason for it. Now, that really changed how the organisation worked, but also made a real change to people's lives, actually, because it meant that people could work in a different way. You know, we were the first private sector organisation to set public goals on gender and for our black, Asian and minority ethnic colleagues as well. So, you know, that really, again, has the impact of both changing things within Lloyd's Banking Group, but also has a knock-on effect then if you think um, externally in terms of other people doing goals um, as well uh, as part of that. Um, but I think some of the other big issues like, you know, mental health, for example, uh, and the way that we've managed to really raise awareness, remove the stigma, I would say, uh, within Lloyd's Banking Group about mental health and also done the same on domestic abuse. And I think that's one of the things that personally I'm most proud of because domestic abuse um, is something that people think is a kind of private matter. 
that it doesn't have anything to do with employers, but actually one in four women and one in six men experience uh, domestic abuse over their lifetime. And so it's actually a very real issue, um, both for our colleagues and for our customers. And so to really have raised the uh, awareness, taken away some of the stigma um, around that within Lloyd's Banking Group had, will have made a real difference. I know has made a real difference uh, to people's lives and certainly to um, to our customers as well. So, so th- those are some of the things that I'm really proud of what we've done together. One thing you've done is, I think in the second half of last year, was launched the Lloyd's Race Action Plan. I, I guess the question about that is, why did that have to be launched? We had been doing a lot of work already on race and already had actually our public goal on um, for Black, Asian and minority ethnic um, colleagues as well. We'd already launched that. So we'd already been doing um, a lot of work. I think the murder of George, George Floyd um, and the consequent um, response to that really made us sit and think, however, about what more we needed to do. And what became clear was we had this public goal, which was for Black, Asian and minority ethnic colleagues. But what that did was it actually hid, really, the fact that um, our Black colleagues were not progressing as much as our Asian and minority, um, other minority ethnic colleagues. And so that was the reason why we felt we needed to um, set up our race action plan, because when we looked at the numbers, there were very few Black heritage colleagues in leadership positions. We had about 40 across our senior management um, population. And so we felt that we really needed to put a focus on that in order to really start to understand what the issues were. And we were doing really well with our with our public goal, but 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 not but but our black colleagues were not part of that um, success at the beginning. And so we felt we really needed to to kind of put a real focus to look at what the barriers, specific barriers were. And so that's re- the reason why we launched the, the Race Action Plan. And also then, so that was internal, but also we were looking externally as well. So we were um, looking at what was happening with black entrepreneurs, for example. Um, and so we've done a big piece of work uh, around black entrepreneurs, um, working with an organisation, a brilliant organisation called Foundervine, who uh, really support uh the development of black entrepreneurs and we've been working alongside them um, and working with other uh, black businesses to really understand uh, what are some of the barriers to get funding and so as that was the reason why we started it and of course as you get into the whole area more and more you, you know it became very clear that that focus was absolutely essential but we've had a you know a lot of success since we've been doing that. So actually, um, you know, promoted over half of our, um, uh, we set up a a kind of talent management programme and half of those people have been promoted. And again, you know, on one level, you would say, well, why haven't you done, why didn't you do that in the past? Um, And I think the important thing is that we recognise that there's much more to be done and we're really focused on it and uh, working very closely with our Black Heritage colleagues in particular. Uh, to to make progress. Now, we're also still continuing, obviously, our work with our Asian and minority ethnic, um, uh, other minority ethnic colleagues too. But that work is ongoing. But but that focus on Black colleagues has been very powerful. You spoke earlier on about how things are changing, particularly to do with mental health. What sort of improvements 
have been made? I mean, how much are companies now looking at the mental health of their, of their workforces and what advantages does that bring? Organisations, there's no question that organisations are now looking at this um, in a more uh, systemic way than they have been done before. So, um, for example, uh, working with, with um, uh, Mind uh, Charity, they've launched the Mental Health at Work commitment um, and that started with about 20 companies <laughs> signed up to it. Um, I actually can't or couldn't even tell you what the, the right number is um, now, but the, the last time I looked, it was something like 20,000 um, organisations signed up to the Mental Health at Work um, commitment. And that commitment um, means that people have to do a, a number of things, which includes both raising awareness within your organisation, but listening to your colleagues with mental health um, issues as well to really understand what needs to be not what needs to be done and so I think um, uh, at a UK level uh, the issues about mental health are well understood and most organizations now are really understanding uh, understanding that and again if you look at the um, the numbers I mean one one in four of us will experience mental health um, uh, at some time over our um, over our lives um, and so you know we know that if you don't tackle that there is a cost to the economy and, and mental and mind for example has has put that estimated that about 99 billion pound cost to the economy because people might be off work um, they're not as productive as they would otherwise be um, and so really there's a, a very clear uh, understanding that tackling this issue will make a big difference both to the productivity of, of organisations um, but also to the productivity of the UK um, as well. Um, and so I think one of the big, uh, we've done an, an awful lot of work obviously internally on this um, as well, but one of the most interesting things that we've been doing recently um, has been doing a pilot with our charity partner Mental Health UK to really work with our uh, frontline customers, uh, frontline customer facing colleagues um, who have been, you know, dealing with customers through the pandemic um, because um, they'll be hearing some difficult stories um, from some of our customers. Um, and that can have obviously, you know, we're providing support to our customers as well um, and accessing and signposting um, them to support. But it's also, um, been really interesting to work with our, our, our Mental Health UK who've been sitting in with our uh, customer facing uh, colleagues to kind of provide support to them um, at the end of each of their sessions. So it's a bit like, you know, what the Samaritans would do where, you know, you go on your calls and then you have a debrief at the end of your session in order that you don't therefore take home some of that um, uh, anxiety and worry um, about what you've been hearing and that has really um, kind of supported our colleagues and made a massive difference to how they feel um, and to the, their ability to support our customers more effectively. That was an invitation to meet Fiona Cannon. There's a new episode of this podcast every Monday morning. Why not start your week with us? Hit that follow button and drop in whenever you like. I'm David Marsland and it's always a pleasure to meet you. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.